Did you know that the 4th of July is on a Thursday this year? That's going to be a full weekend of fun out on the deck. Four days. But if your deck isn't what it used to be and you aren't using it for great family gatherings, you need to call my friends at All Weather Decks. All Weather Decks is a 24-time winner of the Angie Super Service Award. And they probably help one of your neighbors. Click on the map link at allweatherdecks.net. Call All Weather Decks today at 913-206-1974 or go to allweatherdecks.net and mention you heard it on 810. Call now and relax. This is Almost Entirely Sports with Joshua Briscoe. Chewing. We're home. Ah! On Sports Radio 810 WHB. I can't think of a better way to kick off a conversation about the Big 12, perhaps a little bit about Big 12 football in particular than that. Um, I will explain that momentarily, but I want to know if uh, if Ari knows where that came from. It might have been how we've introduced him in the past. I'm not totally sure. Um, our, our current guest right now, though, is our dear friend Ari Timken. You can hear him covering the Cowboys in Dallas across 105.3 The Fan. Um, that's not the main topic of conversation for us today, though. You can also hear him on SiriusXM's College Big 12 Radio. That's channel 375. Um, and uh, and there's a lot to talk about kind of around the Big 12 right now. Not just the realignment, but the new commissioner perhaps coming from Rock Nation is very exciting. There's just a lot going on right now. Um, but Ari, first I have to ask, is, do you know what the sound in that liner was? I didn't really hear much of anything, which is my excuse for saying no. That's okay. Can we? Do you still have it open over there, Rudy? Can we just isolate just the, just the noise of the? Do you hear Han Solo saying "Chewy, we're home," um, and then a really peaceful, normal noise here that sounds like this? Ah! <laughs> I'm guessing it's from Star Wars. It is an impression <laughs> of Chewbacca. Done by, I'll give you, I'll walk you all the way to this, a former Big 12 football coach. Wow. Ah. Les Miles? That is correct! Nailed it. That is correct. That is Les Miles' Wookiee call. That was on a Hawk Talk a while back. How does that make you feel? That had to be one of the most productive Hawk Talks of all time with Les Miles. (laughs) We've gotten a lot of a lot of use out of that liner. Um, we got Matt Derrick to do a Wookie call. We were all doing Wookie calls that that week, so no, we we really got a lot out of that one. Um, how have you been, Ari? It's it's good to talk to you again. Yeah, great to talk to you, Briscoe. I'm good, man. How are you doing? I, look, I I can't complain. I'm uh, I'm enjoying some of the fun, um, although also some of the sadness, just because like Royals baseball, something that we would theoretically talk about around here that that hasn't given us much. Um, but I, there, you actually are in a place in the sports world right now that has some interesting things going on. You probably chew through your hours pretty quickly in in a way that maybe doesn't always feel as packed as it is. Um, but like, here's 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 a sports question for you, Ari, and I want to really know the answer to this. Don't brush me off, okay? Is Texas back? Deal. <laughs> Texas is so bad. What? It's not even funny how back they are. Texas is back. Um, I mean, look, you know, it 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 almost doesn't matter how good of a coach you have at some at one point when you have the talent that they're accumulating. You know, that's 
you know, that's kind of what we've seen across some college football programs. I mean, Larry Coker won a national championship at Miami for the love of God, you know, with the talents they had. So, um, you know, look, I, 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 Sark can recruit, and, and he knows offensive football. Um, the one thing we don't really know, is, is he a good football coach? Can he be a good head coach? Which is an important component of being a head coach. He's got the other two parsed down. Um, they, they, talent hasn't been the issue. That's one of the main talking points, I think, now after Arch Manning commits and then now a slew of commitments based on Manning's commitment. Um, you know, but, but they have not developed, and that's been the issue. They've had five stars and four stars. They've had top five classes. Tom Herman had two top ten classes, one top five class. And you know, now we're in a situation where those guys did not result in a draft pick. Kansas had a player drafted. Texas did not this past draft. Yeah. And that, you know, those are from Tom Herman's top 10 recruiting classes. So, you know, I'd certainly have more faith, not just in Sark, but in this talent. And they have, you know, now back-to-back quarterbacks and Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning that were at the top of their classes and and from 24-7's rankings, two of the top three ranked quarterbacks ever, perfect graded quarterbacks, those being Vince Young, Quinn Ewers, and Arch Manning. Amazingly, all three have committed to Texas. So Crazy. You know, we'll see. Um, I, I, I still think they're going to have some growing pains this year. They've got a ridiculously good offensive line class coming in. Um, we'll see if any of those guys can crack their starting five. Their defense was absolutely atrocious last year. It's one of the worst defenses I've ever seen in my entire life. And uh, so they're going to have to improve pretty dramatically there. But no doubt that the level they're recruiting at and, and certainly the, the, you know, the fallout from Arch Manning and all the other commitments they've seen now these last two three days since then, there, there's no doubt that by the time this team gets the SEC, they should be cooking. Were you surprised that he ended up, that Arch ended up picking Texas? And also, do you think that he would have been a less hotly contested recruit if he would have just gone by Archibald? Because that's a tough name for a quarterback. <laughs> it's definitely a great name. He should have gone by Archibald. I'm, I've been calling him that a ton because it's a great name. Good. Okay. I'm glad um, that you're continuing. I'll, I'll join in the propaganda. He's only Archibald from here on out. Let's. I'll, I'll band together with you on this. You know, I'm not surprised, honestly, because it definitely was trending towards Texas, you know, for whatever reason. And, um, you know, I mean, I think there's part, probably parts of Austin that, you know, that he liked, um, you know, there's videos at service when he was a kid that he, you know, was a Texas fan or whatever. I'm not sure. Um, but it definitely seemed to be trending that way. Um, and I guess my biggest um, surprise was the timing of it. Hmm. Um, but other than that, no, I mean, it, it, it should be more surprising. I mean, Texas went five and seven last year and lost <laughs> at home to Kansas. So... People I mean, don't talk about that. That's ridiculously surprising. Yeah. Um, uh, let's. So I, I know that you know. How long are we going to give Texas and Oklahoma in in like tertiary, secondary Big Twelve conversations? By the way, because I'm going to do it by accident for a while. I'm sure. I feel like we should get a couple of years of them being like honorary Big Twelve teams. Does that seem reasonable? Aren't we doing that right now? That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, like honorary members right now. Yeah, like how long are we going to give them though? Like in in ten years they can't have that. But what about in two or three years? Well, in two or three years they'll probably still be in the conference. (laughs) Fair enough. So, I mean, look, they they could be out after um, after next season. That 2024, but I I just I don't know. I mean, it's going to cost them a ton of money, and it's it gets to the point where it's like. Is it worth you know spending a bunch of money to make a bunch of money when that money's there anyways? 
Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. And, and I think for Texas, it becomes a lot more uncomfortable, you know, share a conference at the University of Houston where you kind of have felt like you're, yeah. you know, you're, you're better than them. You condescend to them. So, you know, like that might be a hard pill to swallow. Texas is certainly in a better financial situation than Oklahoma. Texas could, you know, could find the money they need to get out of the Big 12 and the couch cushions, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not going to leave without Oklahoma. They're going to, they're, they're the greatest rivalry ever. It's such a fun little duo as they go running off into the sunset, hitting each other while holding hands. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful word picture you've painted. It's, it's hard for me to honestly. It's hard for me to take that rivalry seriously from now on. And I, like Texas and Oklahoma fans get mad at me for saying that, but it's the truth. Like you're you are running off in the sunset, holding hands with each other. Yeah, like you you need each other. It's adorable, and you're no longer rivals. You cannot do that. I could never see ever, 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 ever Kansas and Missouri doing that. Ever, ever, a million years. If if I was going to give a, a devil's advocate argument, I would say that you can make Texas and OU now Batman and the Joker, where they they need each other really, but they they are still kind of in cahoots, right? Like one of them could just kill the other one at some point if they wanted to, and then them deciding they're going to keep this little charade going. That's that's the SEC trip to me. Ooh, that's a good one. Who's the Joker though, Texas? <sighs> That's a good God, one. I think Texas is two faced, though. <laughs> but well, hold Batman on. doesn't need two faced. Hold on. No, that's a good. No, that's a good call. Okay, you know what? Maybe, maybe like maybe Missouri got to be two faced. You know they they made that they made that drummer. Yeah. Maybe Colorado is is poison ivy. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I. <laughs> that's a great call. Nebraska, Colorado. I don't, know, I don't know any of this, but I do know Colorado is definitely poison ivy. Okay. Kansas is Batman. That we know for sure. <laughs> okay, good. Well, we can. I'm glad we have this. We'll flesh this bit out for a while, and we at some point need to figure out when how long Texas and OU get dual citizenship because. At some point, I feel like that's got to be revoked, but but right now they've got it. Um, obviously, and for right now we just need to absolutely destroy them. Every other Big Twelve program, we just need yes. to destroy them into oblivion. Like yes. the, the the ultimate goal of the Big Twelve these next two seasons is not have Oklahoma or Texas win the Big Twelve. That's all that matters. They, there needs to be full collusion. Like just whatever. If there's anything that one team could offer to the other, maybe we have to all figure out is if there's going to be one Big Twelve football just group of ringers. Is say, hey, look, we're just going to give you our entire. You want our best, your, our best pass rusher. He's now your third best pass rusher because he's playing for the Big Twelve Cowhawks. I don't know why I picked the Cowboys and Jayhawks. That feels like an unlikely, <laughs> an unlikely powerhouse, but that I like the phrase Cowhawks, so I went with it. <laughs> Well, to beat Texas, you just or send J-Boys. out. You just send out KU's actual football team. <laughs> that's you know what, Randy. Be, and, you know what, and to beat Oklahoma, you send K State. That's <laughs> that's a good point. It's just the state of Kansas. Um, J Boy was actually my nickname throughout high school, also. So I'm I would support that team as well for sure. Um, I, I I know that this is going to leave a lot to, to navigate here throughout the future of the Big 12. And I, Rudy and I ended up, we, we talked about this before the show, we had almost the exact same response to the idea that, that right now um, a deal is reportedly being finalized with Brett Yormark, the COO of Rock Nation, which is Jay-Z's Rock Nation. Um, we had the same reaction of, well, this is incredibly un-Big 12 of them, but I kind of like it. I mean, obviously, the, the, the landscape of college sports is tremendously different than it was obviously 10 years ago, obviously 5 years ago, really a year ago, or 18 months ago, whatever the, the NIL kind of cutoff would be. So, 
it, this to me seems like the Big 12 thinking creatively. I have no, I don't know this dude from, if he walked into the, stu- into the studio right now, I would imagine he would smell like money. But other than that, I wouldn't have no way of knowing who he was. But it, I don't know if it's going to work, but I admire the creativity of it. I imagine you have a, a better feel of kind of what they're looking at right now. So, so what did you think when this news came out uh, and, and where the Big 12 might go now? Yeah, I mean, first, funny story about knowing what commissioners look like. Um, do you have any idea what Greg Sankey looks like? Boy, I really should. I, I certainly, you know, I recognize his name, but if he walked in here right now, I, I feel like he looks like, um, oh boy, I, yeah, I, I'm really trying to, I'm trying to place it exactly, but I, no, I, no, I, I can't. If he walked in, I wouldn't know. It's perfect. This is perfect setup, okay? So I, as you probably know, Josh, as a Kansas graduate, I went to the Final Four this year in mm-hmm. New Orleans. I believe Kansas won the championship this year. Rudy can it was check a lot that. of fun. Rudy, Google that uh, and see real quick. Uh, <laughs> I don't believe there was an NCAA tournament this last year, weirdly enough. Uh, that's too bad. <laughs> My team definitely did not lose so to St. Peter's. In the, in the national championship game, um, I'm walking around the, the stadium, actually, at halftime and trying to figure out what I can do to help Kansas play better. I did figure <laughs> that out, by the way. You did it. And I see Greg Sankey standing there, okay? This is arguably the most powerful man in college sports. Yeah. No, he's, it's not arguable. He is the <laughs> most powerful. And nobody knew who he was. <laughs> nobody had any idea who he was. So he's just standing there completely incognito. And I'm, like, amazed. <laughs> I can't believe it. And here I am, like a drunk college football reporter, <laughs> commentator, whatever, wearing, you know, head to toe in Kansas gear. And so I walk over to him. I'm like, this is pretty cool. Nobody's bothering you except for me. <laughs> Did you say that to him? Yes, absolutely. Great line. It was like the, because it's exactly what you're saying. Like, these are – and look, maybe once Brett Yormark takes over the Big 12, you will know what he looks like. But that's, I mean, Greg Sankey is the most powerful man in college sports. And most people don't know what he looks like. I wouldn't if I didn't work for ESPNU and college uh, and Big 12 radio and college college sports radio on, on Sirius XM. I probably wouldn't. So it, it is kind of funny. And that was like still my favorite Final Four story was, you know, drunkenly talking to Greg Sankey uh, at, at the national title game when no one had any idea who he was. And so everybody was just leaving him alone. He was just standing there by himself looking at his phone. It was amazing. He got to be a real human for a few hours. Um, <laughs> but that is great. In terms of your mark, you know, this is a monumental move for the Big 12. We were wondering if, okay, they're going to go, you know, are they going to go with that traditional college, you know, college uh, administrator route, um, the, the former, um, you know, a deputy commissioner or whatever it is at a different conference. And, you know, they – this is now the third consecutive hire of a Power Five commissioner that is, you know, from professional sports. You had Kevin Warren, who came over for the Minnesota Vikings, uh, George Klyevkov to take over the Pac-12, and, um, you know, he came from MGM Sports, uh, and, and now Brett Yormark, who you know, has a pretty robust resume, obviously you mentioned the COO of uh, Jay-Z's Rock Nation, which I believe you have to say together. You can't you, just leave an independent. You can't Rock Nation. It has to be Jay-Z's Rock Nation. So right. Um, but... But, he, I mean, he also worked for the Nets. Uh, he, he was um, the CEO of uh, the, the Nets when they moved from New, York, New Jersey to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. He built the stadium, the Barclays. He worked for NASCAR. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he's got this really interesting, you know, resume that I think is very much conducive to 
what's happening with the Big 12, the need to create greater dollars and their television deal that's coming up. The biggest thing here, Josh, is that like forever there was this huge lie um, that administrators in the collegiate sports told themselves about what they were, what they had. The lie was that it's not pro sports. And so mm. last July, almost exactly a year ago, when NIL went into effect, um, the lie, the band-aid was ripped off. And so there's it's no longer a lie. It's professional sports. It's always been. We can create these distinctions. But, you know, when you talk about millions of dollars being spent on coaches to coach and then also simultaneously to not coach to buy them out, when you talk about stadiums and facilities that are being built, you know, it's pro sports for everybody except for those that were involved. Mm-hmm. So now the college sports doesn't have to lie to themselves anymore. They, they can say what they are. And that's why every one of these leagues, commissioners, as they turn them over, they're turning away from traditional college hires and going in the professional route because that's what they are. This this caught my eye in the original SI story. A bevy of high-profile athletic directors were in the mix as well as some conference executive staff members, but the league took a different approach. Over the last two days, a small group of Big 12 presidents interviewed three finalists in Dallas. None of the final candidates currently work in the college sports industry. So to your point, also, the BetMGM example was one that I was thinking about earlier today, but um, like you mentioned there, it runs even deeper than that for reasons that now are, are that you just laid out more obvious. Were you surprised at all that the Big 12 ultimately did get to a point where they came to the same conclusion as everybody else? Because this this might be, I don't know if this is a Bob Bowlesby thing or if this is a Big 12 thing in some other form, but I just, I would have had the Big 12 being late to react. Maybe they still were, but I would have had them being even later to react for some reason, just sort of based off my my current presumptions about the conference. No, that's not an incorrect perception whatsoever. And, and so kudos to the presidents of the universities that make up the Big 12 for figuring out pretty quickly that they needed somebody that can help usher them into this you know, new era of college athletics, you know, that the same people who had made the same decisions over and over again were not to be trusted with this most important product. Hmm. You know, it, it, it's really interesting right now, Josh, you see this huge divide uh, amongst universities across the country. Some are completely embracing NIL. They're allowing their athletes to, to use the marks of the university um, to do different things. They're completely, you know, they, they have, um, you know, college courses set up for NIL. They have all these programs set up for NIL. And then there's the universities that are not allowing them to use marks, that are putting all these different roadblocks in the way. They, and, and I think those, the latter, I, some of them, I think, believe that the old way is eventually coming back mm. because it was like that for over 100 years. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, what the presidents of the Big 12 universities are saying with this move, we know the old way is not coming back, and so we are not going to stand pat and hire another administrator that's already been through what's happened in college athletics over the last 100 years and didn't evolve quick enough to do the same thing with us. You know, look, there are great administrators. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to knock them at all because there are amazing administrators across college athletics and, and, and universities and whatnot that, that have done amazing work for a long period of time. But, you know, there's this great book I read called Range by David Epstein at Sports Illustrated. And it's basically about, you know, like the world is not a world of specialization. It's about general thought. Josh, you're, you're for me, a guy that, you know, is the epitome of this. You don't, you, you know sports, but you are not just all knowledgeable about sports. You know all about all different kinds of things. That's, that's what this is about. That's what, that's what industries are about. It's about bringing people in with new ideas and outside-the-box thoughts that are not just part of the same 
group chorus of folks that have been through. That's what the book ranges about. It's about bringing different skill sets to the table from outside of a specific genre or 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 industry, and infusing those new ideas into that industry because too often you get so lumped into a bubble and you think the same way and there's groupthink and this introduces new ideas and new equations that people hadn't even thought about that were inside the college athletics bubble i'm gonna go ahead and go over and hop open this audible uh my audible app where i got a couple of uh got a couple credits from it it does appear that that book is uh, in audiobook form so that sounds straight up my alley and you know flattery will get you everywhere so if you can if you can weave in a compliment to me somewhere than all of that i mean i'll buy anything I'll, I'll buy a car if you can you know make me feel good about it um <laughs> Yeah, I think I, I just think that's so interesting as this evolution of the sport. Whenever you talk about like the holdouts, though, or the or the the schools that have like been kind of balking at that, is that you say that it's schools that you think are betting on it eventually going back to the old way, or or at least closer to that? Is that do you do you get the feeling that those are teams who are saying or, or schools, I guess, who are saying? We don't want the headache because it's not going to be worth it for very long. Or we don't want the NCAA sniffing around our program because we're not going to be able to get this toothpaste back in the tube. Or, or is there some other fear or hesitance underneath all of that other than just, oh, we'll wait it out? Well, I think you hit on two of them for sure. Um, I think there is certainly some fear of the NCAA. There's fear of negative perception. You know, it's kind of interesting how in the media – you know, NIL deals are being reported as negative, and you've got, you know, Jimbo Fisher yeah. out there, you know, starting a war, of, but it's all over stuff that's legal. Like, yeah. well, I don't even understand what we're arguing and complaining about. If you did, in fact, have people that paid players to um, do a quid pro quo for your university, um, and you're Texas A&M, and that's what you did, which is what happened, that's fine. But yet there is this total negative perception of it, which is just weird. It's like this old world and new world collided. And even though it's all okay and fine, as long as there's a quid pro quo, which there is, then, then everything's hunky-dory. It's fine. But yet people complain about it. And then Jimbo Fisher gets upset about it and saying, this is how we recruited. Sure it is. But there's, no, there's nothing wrong with that. This is, this is perfectly legal and perfectly okay. I mean, I think you have, you have you had a way of doing things for 100 years, and it's been upended overnight, and there's confusion. Um, there's every law, every state is a different law. So, like, you also have, like, think about it from a, an administrator's perspective. You know, you're used to getting X amount of dollars from corporate sponsors, and you need those those dollars. But what happens now when you think those corporate sponsors may end up going and, and paying your ad, the athletes instead of paying you? So now you're worried about protecting what you had because you need to make budgets. You know, you have a, you need to have a larger compliance department, but you don't have any of the revenue to justify a larger compliance department. You also need a new compliance department because what the compliance department had been doing, it's no longer needing to do. So, I mean, and by the way, I, I'm of the belief that you're not going to lose any corporate sponsors. In fact, you're probably going to end up getting more because the entry point for sponsorship of a student athlete is a lot less than the entry point for sponsorship of a university. Yes. So maybe you get somebody in at a lower uh, lower cost and they see the ROI, and so they keep spending to the point where they become a corporate sponsor. But, but that's beside the point. You have all of these things. The things you mentioned, absolutely. You have all the other potential pitfalls of it. And so it's, it's confusing for administrators, especially because it's been one way for 100 years.
You mentioned something in there that I, I have not been able to, to frame as as concisely as you did, which is along the lines of what are we even arguing about anymore? Because I, I have found myself running into that um, specifically last week when, when K-State football um, announced, so K-State football players announced that they're starting the, the Manhattan NIL club where up to a thousand fans can purchase a membership and then the goal there is to share all of the proceeds equally among every player who wants to participate in that program. That's like the mission statement and all of that and we'll, we'll see what the range of it all is and how much money there ends up being and et cetera, et cetera. But I saw that and I was like, oh, that that is an answer to a straw man question from the last 50 years of college of college football where you say, oh, how are you going to right. pay the quarterback? backs and the third offensive lineman, uh, the third string offensive lineman the same? Well, here in this instance, yeah, or at least a subtle baseline. If you are the uh, recruit who just committed to Miami and got a huge big bag to go there, and maybe he would have gone there for no, who knows, right? Who, who knows why he, what his logic was, but he got a big bag of money and he's going to Miami and we know that for sure. But maybe you see these big individual deals as well, but when I look around, I, I keep finding the same result, which is something that I, it was the result I was seeing two, three, four, five years ago as well, which, and, and please please genuinely correct me if I'm wrong here, but as I look around, I, I keep seeing the only people who are losing anything in, in this whole situation being um, the people who have enjoyed controlling unpaid college athletes for the last hundred years. Without a doubt. Well, and, and I mean, without without a doubt, Josh. I mean, first of all, I feel like uh, K State missed a really good opportunity for a, a Manhattan project. But that's neither here nor there. No, um, hold on. That is actually here. That is what it should have been. We should acknowledge that. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> yes, that's a great point. It should have been called the man. Even the Manhattan NIL project would have been. All right, so they they get one demerit. I like what they did, but they get they get one demerit from me now. But I mean, you have look. I mean, there are there are genuine issues within the scope of the NIL world. Mm-hmm. You do have kids that are being taken advantage of. You have, I mean, how, how would you like to negotiate with an eighteen or nineteen year old? Right? I mean, yeah. it's you've got contracts with no end dates. You've got a lot of bad actors. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, this is there are a lot of kids that are going to get used. There are a lot of kids that are going to get screwed. There are a lot of kids that are going to become liable. There are a lot of kids that are not going to pay taxes. Like, there's going to be a lot of harm that comes from this, and that's not a reason not to do it. It's just what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you've had for years, like, how are you going to pay them as much as you And it's like, okay, I mean, in a market that, you know, where, where that stuff matters, you might have a football team come together to, to uh, the quarterback lift up other players in the team. You might have situations where you have a quarterback at one school that's, Getting a lot of NIL opportunities that then allows for you know other passes those opportunities off to his offensive linemen. Um, so that those are kinds of some of the things that I don't think were being accounted for. Um, and then you know the, the people will bring up Title IX. One of the most awesome things about this, Josh, is first of all, uh, women's basketball players are outpacing men's basketball players in NIL earnings in year one. Hmm. Uh, that's amazing. Um, and then when you consider, hey, Brittany Griner is being held right now in Russia. It has been since February. And the other reason why she is is because Russia's in, in, in war with Ukraine, but really she's over in Russia because she can't make enough money playing in the WNBA, so she has to go play overseas, which is the, the cast and lot in life for every women's basketball player. Yeah. Well, what about if they start off in college and build a brand and an influencer uh, business based on you know their ability to play at that level 
and all of a sudden you get through four years of college, you've got a huge Instagram following, a huge TikTok, TikTok following. You can play in the WNBA and make tons and tons of money as an Instagram influencer. And, and Jocelyn Alo is another great example of this. Jocelyn Alo, extremely one of the best, probably the best softball player of all time, certainly the best hitter of all time, just graduated from Oklahoma, led the Sooners to another uh, College World Series national championship, two in a row. She's insane. Uh, most home runs of all time, most RV. So now what is she going to do? Yeah. I mean, there's there's these smaller softball leagues she can go play in. Had she been there for four years, she could have done that over the course of four years that built up the influencer network that would allow her to cash in a big, big way. If female influencers just in the world make so much money because of all the products that those influencers are selling um, to the people being influenced. Hmm. Makeup, clothes, hair, whatever. So I, I, from, a, from a women's sports perspective, the earning potential here in the immediate while they're in college and the after is huge. And that, I think, is one of the most important and compelling stories about NIL. I think it's fascinating. Um, I also think, like you, mean, like there, there is absolutely a, a bit of a Wild West element currently. I think being aware of the places where there can be pitfalls in this is a good thing. Um, and we've, I think, I've agreed with everything you've said to the entirety of the 28 minutes you've been live with us. So um, I'm not, I'm not expecting that to change much. But the. To me, if you are going to be an educational institution that still wants to have a spot in all of this where your existence is noteworthy at all, being an educational institution for your student-athletes to not get taken advantage of in the NIL market or to learn how to pay taxes and to estimate what those tax numbers are going to look like, those are things literally perfectly tailor-made for an institution of higher learning that is also having people make money playing sports with their their logos and everything (laughs) all over. I, I also genuinely, though, do ask if there is a place where that could end up being problematic, where you do see some of these schools that are being more proactive to involve their their student athletes. Do you think, you look five years down the road, are we going to see schools do more of that, where they are, this is shocking, educating their student athletes on the things they need to be educated (laughs) about? Or are they going to get nervous and say, you guys go hire your agents, we're going to teach algebra? Well, and, and I mean... There, there at this point has been a good amount of universities that have stepped up to the plate and done that. I mean, you're absolutely correct in terms of financial literacy and and, and everything else. Um, but, I mean, quite frankly, they should do both. Yeah. You know, hmm. the student athletes should hire agents or work with a group, find a lawyer. You know, they, they should do that while simultaneously being educated by the university. There is a, a, a conflict of interest there. That the university is, you know, in, in the economy, in the marketplace, essentially competing against the, the the student athlete for, you know, advertising dollars, and so there is, you know, in a sense, the need to have both. But yeah, every university, you know, look, I, I think we're getting to a point where there will be an affiliation between the university and the athletic departments, but that you know, anything you could offer could or might not include a scholarship to go to that university. Mm. It could and might or might not include specific university, or specific money, specific monetary value. Like I think that's what we're moving towards, the, the idea of handing out contracts that could or could not include certain pieces to it that would make sense for the kid or for the, the university. Um, and, but, look, I, I think you have right now you know, a, a marketplace that is – materialized basically out of thin air overnight. And so you have 
you know, an overreaction to the immediate reaction of the market. I'm saying the overreaction from the people, yeah. but it's just what happens to a market when it's first materializing. And so I do think over time it will stabilize. I think you have, you know, you have situations right now with universities that are looking over contracts, but, you know, they're not doing it in a way that is of the greatest benefit to the athlete. And so it's, it's there. I, I, I'm not sure of every university. I'm not sure what's going on in every place, but certainly I've seen instances of, hey, this university is signing off on bad contracts. So what happens if a kid graduates, realizes it's a bad contract, and sues that university? Well, with a state-funded university, there's only an amount of money that they can sue for. If it's a private university, it's a different story altogether. But, yeah, I mean, you have all these big companies that have jumped in there, and they're all, you know, talking about compliance and, and legal, but are they really looking through these contracts? I mean, again, I've seen and heard of, you know, a kid being offered um, an advertising deal and they agree to the the terms of the deal and then the contract is sent over and they're actually switching agencies. Hmm. So, and and these are for kids that can afford, have the means, you know, to have really good lawyers, really good agents. And yet that still is something that's slipping through. And so, you know, you have influencer and some of these other, you know, big companies that have sprouted up, Josh, that are, you know, basically houses for these contracts but that doesn't mean that the contracts are good or the contracts are you know, not completely skewed in one direction, which isn't illegal, but some of them are. And so then what happens five, ten years from now, some of these kids look at, you know, have somebody that looks at them and says, these are bad contracts. Are they suing the company? Are they suing the university? Um, that's, I think, what over time will cause a lot of this to be buttoned up in a greater way. Ari, you're the best. I appreciate you making some time for us tonight. I feel like you made a lot of people a lot smarter than they expected to get by listening to Almost Entirely Sports tonight, um, and I think we have verified that Texas is back. I will, we'll figure out the dual citizenship thing once we get there, um, but uh, Archibald <laughs> Timken, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Josh, I love you, buddy. It's great talking to you, and hopefully we'll, uh, we'll catch up again soon. Be love well. you too, man. I, I think Archibald might not actually be Ari's given name, but uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Ari Sports. Really, just like if you've just been here with us for the last half hour, I feel like somewhere along the line you went like, oh, I just I feel like he did a really good job explaining a lot of things that have really been quite contentious in the space for a while. Love that guy. Love his work. Love um, how how good he is at, at being eloquent about complicated topics that end up having some, not all, but some relatively simple solutions. We'll talk maybe a little bit more about that, maybe about something entirely different whenever we come back, but but please do again. Go follow him on Twitter, at Ari Sports. You can hear him talking on the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, if you're ever in the area. But Sirius XM College Big 12 Radio, that's channel 375 on your Sirius XM dial. You can get that anywhere. Uh, and again, follow him on Twitter, at Ari Sports. Okay, now we can take a break. This is Almost Entirely Sports with Joshua Briscoe. Oh, no. His measurables. On Sports Radio 810 WHB. Thanks again to Ari Timken, who I just think is the best. Go follow him for more of your Big 12 coverage, and you can you can suffer through some Cowboys stuff here and there. I actually even enjoy Ari's Cowboys coverage in a very genuine way because he's... He just has fun with all of it. It's just, he's just a, a good person to follow along throughout the sports world. Um, there was a, a little bit of NBA news that happened uh, a little while back, a little bit before we got to Ari. 
Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted, the Knicks are trading center Nerlens Noel and guard Alec Burks, to, or Alec Burks to the Pistons. Sources tell ESPN. The Knicks will unload $19 million more in salary, clearing the way for cap space to try and sign free agent guard Jalen Brunson. I don't remember who I saw tweet this, but I saw this even before this trade earlier today, which is someone was having a little chuckle about the fact that both Mavericks fans and Knicks fans seem kind of bummed about Jalen Brunson getting a max deal with the Knicks. Because he'll be leaving Dallas, who would like to keep him, and signing with the Knicks, who are putting a lot of eggs in the Julius Randle, uh, Jalen Brunson baskets. R.J. Barrett as well. R.J. Barrett basket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did they move, is Randall still there right now? Yeah, still yeah. There, right? Randall's still there. He yes. has, but it's his his money's still coming. He, I mean, he's still on under contract. Um, what is his current deal with them? I was trying to figure out if there's an if there's an escalation coming for him shortly. None of this is that important. I don't really want to talk about the Knicks that much. Um, although if we have Verderam on again soon, I'll ask him. No, okay, so. Julius Randle is entering the first year of of his current deal. So we so 24, 25, 28 million dollars and then a 30 million dollar player option each of those next 4 years for Julius Randle. 2020, 2021 most improved player. <sighs> Kentucky legend Julius Randle. Um, money well spent. So that's one part of it. The other thing is the Pistons are out here just getting picks, eating money. Probably not uh, in for a sign and trade for DeAndre Ayton at this point. I think they drafted a, a center highly. I couldn't tell you who it was off the top of my head right now. Obviously, they get Nerlens Noel now, and they don't have as much cap space. So my confusion on what the Suns are going to do continues to only just get more confusing. That's not, you know, that's you, nothing new. Did you hear the Chet Holgram uh, kind of like story news thing? No, so, I saw his interview during the draft, which I thought was awesome for a variety of levels. But. Yeah, so apparently he uh, no-showed the last day of his workout with the Magic and belief is that he kind of tanked his workout with the Magic because he just did not want to go number one overall to Orlando. Which is... Here's the thing that's kind of crazy about this. Orlando is so bad, he had a chance to, one, be the number one overall pick, which is, you know, like, right? Like, that is a a legacy thing. You get to say you're always the number one overall pick. You know who was Orlando's first-round pick last year? Former high school teammate and best friend Jalen Sucks. He had a chance to go play with the guy who he grew up playing basketball with, but he was like, nah, this franchise is too bad. Not worth it for the magic. So I'm going to go to OKC, which has not been good, but they do appear, they have a, it appears they have a plan, right? They have not been, they, they have been a bad team, but not necessarily a lost no, team. Right? That's a good point. That's a good point. There, the, there can be a difference, obviously, between the two. The right? OKC outlook from here on out, I think, is not terrible. Their recent past is obviously horrendous, but but on purpose, really, on purpose. It's, hey, give us every pick. They are putting a lot into the draft of, and and here's the thing, I don't hate this. Me neither. Oklahoma City is not going to be the the team that goes out there and gets, you know, big name free agents, right? Because here's the thing, there is a limit to what you can offer. Money talks, but when you're talking about max players... 15 teams will offer the max contract yes. contracts. They need to complain. And Oklahoma they're going to go play in the, the market that they want to play in. 
So if you're Oklahoma City, you got to repeat what you did the first time, which is incredibly hard. The, the odds of you in three straight years, I believe it's three straight years, of getting Durant, Westbrook, and Harden is almost slim to none. You know how you make that a slightly better chance? It's by having 25 first-round picks yep. over the next like five years or six years or whatever it is. If you just throw enough darts at it and you just hit on two of them, and when I say hit, I mean like star players. You, you, yes. Ideally, you will draft solid role players throughout yep. there, some really good players, some you know three you know, three and D guys, all that stuff. You just you just hit on two of those, and it's hard to do. But if if you do, and, and Josh Giddy looked good last year for them, so like maybe that's one, maybe Chet's two. I don't I don't hate it. I'm asking certainly, this. I will one, one quick no, you're good, one quick you're good. thing. I'll let you go. I will say this: if you're if you're planning on uh, if you have NBA 2K of any sort, OKC is the team to pick because they're just going to be the most fun in that game because they just have all the draft picks. That's actually a great point. Franchise mode. It's okay. a great franchise pick, mode team. Quick, to play. quick team mode. Not so much franchise mode though. Jalen. Uh, by the way, Detroit did draft a Jalen Duran, uh, the center from Memphis. Okay, I thought there was another one. So yeah, they've got. Yeah, they, dra- they drafted. They don't need DeAndre um, at this point, um, frankly. Um, Oh, Ivy. I forget his first name. Jordan. Jaden. I can't yep. say Jordan Ivy. Jaden Ivy, I think fourth overall from Purdue. And then they traded up to like 10, roughly, or something like that to get uh, Jalen Duran. Um, good, pretty good draft for him. I'm, I'm going to ask this question with appropriate context, but I'm going to ask this question. I'm a Midwestern boy. I've always been a Midwestern boy. I was born in Kansas, lived in Kansas in various spots. For 25 years or so. Moved to Missouri. Now in a house in Missouri. Missouri boy. Always been a, a Mocan boy, though. Never really had any real, like, gotta get out of the Midwest angst or anything like that. My Midwestern emo angst was, you know, there's plenty of that, musically speaking. But I was never like, I gotta leave this one-horse town. You know, that's not that's never been my thing. I also... Don't know that I, certainly as an adult, I don't believe I've spent any real time in Oklahoma City. So I do not want to disparage Oklahoma City as someone who loves Kansas City deeply. And I am infinitely tired if we're not in Kansas anymore, slash, oh, what's Kansas City? Is it a bunch, just got a bunch of wheat? I, I understand all, I understand all these stereotypes. I don't like any of them. Also, Florida has bath salts, terrifying animals, and terrifying policies. I'm not saying Florida's all great. But from a quality of life perspective, if your options were Oklahoma City or Orlando, I would at least expect most people to confidently take Orlando there. You got Disney World at least, right? Like that's a maybe it's too touristy that way. And maybe I'm underrating Oklahoma yeah. City. I'm not sure. I think and this I'm just, being very careful here because I yeah. really don't want Midwestern City on Midwestern City crime unless it's Kansas City <laughs> and St. Louis, in which yes, case I've accepted yeah, it. Totally fine. I, I I don't think this is necessarily so much Chet being like Oh, Oklahoma City is the place I want to be at as much as Orlando is just a place I don't. I, I think in NBA circles. And the basketball circles, reasons, you're, yes, I, I, in, I have no argument against you. I think in NBA circles None. right now, Orlando is just about as dysfunctional as it seems to get. I, I think, like, I, my guess is if you, like, you know, if there was a Sacramento silent, would like a word, yeah, but I get it. I, th- th- coast been, to coast. There's like a weird, like, they're, they're not good, obviously, but there is like a... 
if you, we have seen some players go there, just be good for a little bit, and then you then you just kind of space out, right? You kind of just if Beards just was leave. here, he'd be furious. I'm not. I don't. I just that's think fine. Orlando right now is no. Like, I 100 percent get it. I'm taking basketball. I'm, I'm editing yeah. basketball out of the conversation because you made your points on the basketball front. I have nothing to argue with from your the, your initial layout of all and of that. Like nobody nobody goes to the games really there. It's just like the most the the best basketball played in Orlando was when they were the home of the bubble. Yeah. There's not been good basketball played there now, pretty much since then. If Shaq buys the team. Game changer. Do you think they changed the name from Magic to just Shaqs? They become yeah. the, the fighting Shaq. The Orlando Shaqs. Do you go plural or singular? Is Shaq plural? If you Orlando. saw Shaq next to a clone of him, what would you say of what would you say you're looking at? I'm looking at some Shaqes? Some Shaqs? Shaqes? Shaqes? You would you would say Shaquille's if you're using full names. But I think Shaq might be a plural word. I'll think about it. Oklahoma City's got like well this is from let's see where are we at yeah Oklahoma City's as of 2020 at about 150,000 more people than than Kansas City I now immediately say that out loud and think I have to now check and figure out how Kansas City is being measured because I don't know if you know this but we're a city in two states it's a fun feature that's <laughs> just where we're at um Kansas City's not in Kansas I've got some really I got a rude awakening for you I don't know. I just uh, I don't I don't think I have a great frame of reference for for how good or not great Oklahoma City is. I don't think I hear a lot of complaining about it, and I'm, I'm sure that there, I'm guessing that maybe there's there's a semi big city in a in a midwestern state vibe there that again I would very much identify with personally. Yeah, and I and I don't think you know Chet or any, any even any rookie gets drafted there views OKC as like this is where I spend the entirety of my career. Like like here here's the one thing that's uh, that's good about the NBA that I think it's overlooked where everybody's just like, well if you draft a good player they're just gonna leave. Generally speaking they always sign resign once. Part of that is because they get to the league so young so they are they are resigning at 22 knowing hey I'm going to get my money now cuz I can get so much more on a rookie resigning on a rookie max contract and I can still hit free agency again at like 26 27. Generally speaking when you draft a great player even in a small market you're you're pretty well got him locked down for 7 to 8 years. Yeah. And then from there who knows but 7 to 8 years with a with a, a potential star player you got a chance to win, and if you do win, then maybe you convince them to resign again, right? It's not, it's not bad. NBA teams, if you get the pick right, they do have a pretty good deal. Partially also because yeah. of the, you know the structure of contracts and how how all of those all of the math gets into all of that. This is kind of interesting. The metro population of Oklahoma City listed at one point four million. The population of the KC metro area a little over two. So maybe you got to just. Yeah. I don't know what, what Metro is always going to define itself as. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to fight with Oklahoma City at no, all. No, it's no, just no. one of those things that I wondered and thought it's late enough. There hopefully aren't. Yeah. Hopefully the mayor of Oklahoma City isn't listening. And if you are, nine one three three eight ten eight ten. Call in and tell me why your city is so cool. I guess I don't know. I'm not. I'm here for. I'm here to build bridges, not not to pit midwestern cities with their state and city's name in the title. But on the other side, it's not called Missouri City, and then I just it gets really confusing. We're not in Kansas anymore, right? Denver Nuggets social media team. Defend that, Rudy. Defend what they did to Christian Brown. Um. Let's take a break.
This is Almost Entirely Sports with Joshua Briscoe. Time flies when you're talking about your dad's story of empire that you ruined and then the, the long drives back from St. Louis you never f- fully forgive your friends for. On Sports Radio 810 WHB. Just a couple minutes left in the show. We're going to have a more baseball-y show the rest of the week because the Royals have a day game tomorrow, then they're off on Thursday, and then we're off on Friday. Yet get, get the, a little bit of Kansas City current action here on 810 on Friday night. That's exciting. I'm, uh, I just enjoy everything they're doing. Oh, and Danny Milniak is their new, uh, I, oh, I don't want to get her title wrong. Head of communications, VP of communications. I'm um, thinking that, Rel. Pretty sure it's executive president of Bugfax. Could be wrong, but she'll uh, always be the executive president of Bug Facts. To I us. think that's her official title for Casey Current. Um, I, mean, I mean, I there's other titles with but, that, but that is just one of the many titles that's got to be on the on the business card yeah. for her at least, right? Uh, so that's on Friday, and I am so excited for Danny. Every uh, press release that's released should have just like a Bug Facts somewhere in there. Now I gotta tw- now I gotta tweet that to her. <laughs> now I so good. now I gotta tweet that after the show because you're a hundred percent right. It would just be so good. Okay, so I'm not gonna type it right now. We're not gonna have enough time. But the gist of it is, hey Danny, Rudy just had a great idea. Every single press release that the current puts out from now till the end of time, somewhere within it could be at the end, could be hidden in the middle, somewhere within it. Should be a bug fact. Any notes? Anything else I need to add? Is that no? I think that's I think that's perfect. It'd be so good. I know everybody's said this a thousand times, and she was on um, I think Border Patrol Monday at the Border Patrol, right? Yes. Like first straight out the gate, new uh, new new job. Who dis? Um, if, if you're on Twitter at all, you've seen this a hundred times over. Just like the actual nicest person that's ever lived. And not in like an annoying way, you know? Like how you have annoying nice people. Danny's just the best. So we haven't talked about that on the show. Congratulations, Danny Wilniak. Bye, Mom.